It is that time again for some expert analysis and informed opinion about the week's top news stories with our powerhouse roundtable. And so first up, let's tell you who's here this morning. Ed Pozzuoli is an attorney in Fort Lauderdale, president of the Tripp Scott Law Firm and an influential voice in the Republican Party. Chris Smith is also an attorney in Fort Lauderdale, a former state senator, and is a Democrat and an influential voice in the Democratic Party. Melba Pearson is the deputy director of the American Civil Liberties Union of Florida and a former prosecutor with the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office. Good morning, morning. everyone. Good morning. We so are glad you are here. Chris Smith, let me begin with you. Uh, you are a Democrat, but I have heard from a lot of Democrats in the last two weeks who have looked at Ron DeSantis and said, who is this guy? I mean, he has but come... In a, but in a good way, In right? a good way. Yeah. No, I mean, he has come out of the gate and just nonstop done all kinds of remarkable things. I mean, this week, just to name a couple, he uh, accepted the resignation of Brenda Snipes, ended that lawsuit, suspended Susan Booker, uh, took medical marijuana, and mm -hmm. said to the legislature, you guys got to fix this law. And then he rescinded 46 appointments that Governor Rick Scott had made on the last day in office. I mean, he is a whirlwind. Well, I'll say he has done some, some surprising things that are very good, but the removals of elected officials, is, is, you know, that's discerning right now. And if you take that off, off the table, the removal of elected, duly elected officials, I think his other agenda items have been, have been pretty good and surprising. But aren't the removal of elected officials is one thing that any governor may do for <laughs> neglect of duty or malfeasance or, I mean, and, and in the, I wish I had printed out, the executive orders, mm -hmm. but he laid out in the executive order why he suspended Susan Booker in Palm Beach, Melba. Yes, mm -hmm. he did, but again, what he did is basically anti-democracy, right? Because mm -hmm. the voice of the people said, we want this person to represent us. And if it is up to the people to then change their mind in 2020 if they find mm -hmm. this person was not particularly good at their job. But for the governor to come in and not only suspend someone, but suspend somebody for something that didn't even occur on his watch. I can't even recall that in, in recent history. Well, I mean, I am no expert on Ms. Booker mm -hmm. and what goes on in Palm Beach County, but Ed, I did see that the county had put aside $11 million for new election equipment and machinery but she didn't buy it, and so when the machinery she had was insufficient, that's why they missed the recounts, three uh, yeah. recounts. I mean, look, there's one job for the election, election supervisor in a county is to count the votes and get report that up to Tallahassee on time, and she didn't do it. She didn't do it because she failed to make the expenditure for the new machines. She failed to include the press. She failed to include uh, 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 the lawyers for the various candidates. She basically threw a, terror, you know, a temper tantrum during the election, tossing everybody out of the room as if this was some sort of private counting party. I mean, to be blunt, that one is a pretty obvious one. And look, the electorate deserves better. And But let me step back on Ron DeSantis just for a second. You know, the Hamilton is playing in the Broward Center, and yeah. Hamilton, uh, Alexander Hamilton said, energy in the executive is a leading character in the definition of good government. And I'm going to tell you, Ron DeSantis is bringing good government. All right, back to elections. Now, here's the problem. There has not been anyone denied a vote 
in Palm Beach County. When you look at his letter, his letter talked about old machines, a polling place inside a gated community, which we have plenty of polling places in gated communities. Some places, that's the only thing you can do. Late reporting and not allowing people to review damaged ballots. That's not denying the right to vote. You may be bad at your job, but that's what the voters are to decide. Exactly. If she was denying someone the right to vote, then I could see a governor coming in and removing that person. But she's not denied anybody their fundamental right to vote. It's such a huge impact to impact the confidence of the electoral process. And when you do that, there is a, is a high standard on, on an election supervisor, at least to deliver pursuant to the statute. And she failed to do that. And when you do that, you deserve to be removed. Well, there were problems across the state with regards no, to this last year. There were only two, there were only two counties, there were only two counties that didn't report on time. And they were Broward and Palm Beach. Miami-Dade, who has the largest set of voters, reported on time and did it flawlessly. Yeah. The question is why didn't it happen in Broward? Why didn't it happen in Palm Beach? I, I have a question about the replacement. Mm -hmm. I'm, Melba, yes. this, is, this one's for you. Okay. So Rick Scott, then Governor Rick Scott, mm -hmm. when he, well, Brenda Snipes and Broward resigned and then he suspended her. That's a whole other story. She's mm -hmm. unsuspended, now resigned, living her life. Um, he, he put Pete Antonacci, a person who has been in different government jobs, Republican, into who is now the Broward Supervisor of Elections. Uh, on Friday, uh, this Governor DeSantis replaced his suspended Susan Booker with Wendy Link, an attorney, also a Republican. So you have two Republicans running elections as supervisors in Florida's two most Democratic counties. Does that matter if they do their jobs right? Look, again, my concern is that the people have not been able to speak on this issue. All right. And that is the job of the electorate to decide who is going to run their elections. It sets a very bad precedent when you have a governor coming in and just taking out elected officials because they didn't agree with the way they did yeah. their jobs and then replacing them. Again, this is not a partisan somebody. disagreement. This is well, a failure to do your job, period. And that's the problem. She has, she's removed and now get due process. Due process should be before she's removed. Exactly. So the governor tomorrow could go to Fort Lauderdale and say, Mayor of Fort Lauderdale, I'm removing you for malfeasance. Well, but he and would, then he has to go and fight you. But he would, have to, but he would have to be indicted or okay. arrested. No, nope. I mean, these people he removed today weren't malfeasance. Right. But they weren't arrested. Brenda Snipes wasn't indicted or arrested. Only people indicted are hospital yeah. district well, she, um, numbers. She, she made, she made she so many mistakes. Correct. Know. Correct. But that's for the voters to decide. I mean, you're getting due process afterwards. And a lot of the mistakes, think look at some of the mistakes they brought out. The judge even looked at those mistakes and said, oh, yeah, by the way, the mistakes that the judge, that, that the governor pointed out, the judge said those weren't her mistakes. Do you feel well, the same way about you have a Sheriff right to Israel, respond the suspension of Sheriff Oh, tremendously. Trem I mean, you had, a, you had a committee that the governor put together. These people looked at the whole incident and said, yeah, do not remove Sheriff Israel. And by the way, the promise program is not an issue. It's, it's a red herring. But we have a governor acting on two things that the commission said weren't an issue. Wow. I got to tell you, Chris, on, on the sheriff, I don't see it. I, 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 there is a huge record. There's a 450, 60 page, uh, you know, facts that were found out by, by a public body, essentially, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Board. And it was very clear that the sheriff's office was, you know, the, what, what Sheriff Israel did or didn't do was clearly delineated yeah. there. That was pretty, that's pretty hard. But, now, they, well, right. that but put us, put us time, on. Let's, time, let's not lose hold something. Hold on just a minute, everybody, if you will. We're going to take a break, be back. Too good to miss, but come back with us.
Welcome back. We are in the midst of a very robust, <laughs> should I say, roundtable with Ed Pozzoli, Chris Smith, Melba Pearson from the ACLU. Melba, let me ask you, um, in 2016, as we all know, mm -hmm. Florida voters, 71% yes. of Florida voters said yes to medical marijuana. And the clear implication, at least to my lay reading, was that in terms of administering it, smoking would be one way they could do it. Mm -hmm. The legislature said not so fast. Well, on Friday of this week or Thursday of this week, Governor DeSantis said, come on, you know, who are we to judge how it should be delivered? So he said to the legislature, change this law and essentially make smokable marijuana legal. Absolutely. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Mm -hmm. And I support his statement and his support of the will of the voters. He's the governor. The, governor DeSantis? Yeah. Governor DeSantis, right? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make credit. sure. This is a red flag. I didn't hear you. Could you repeat that, please? <laughs> a little louder for the That's phone. That's a little louder for the phone. Do you know what was interesting about what he did, though? I mean, this this was on Thursday. You, know, you can't remember the day because every day yeah, there's, there's something, something that yeah. he is presenting or changing or laying down the law, and this time he put it back to lawmakers, which I thought was really interesting. He, he is a former it. lawmaker. He's he's kind of putting his money where his mouth is. He's not usurping legislative authority. I thought that was a very interesting move. Yeah, well, he has an interesting tool, yeah. though. The tool is that the, the, the Scott administration had fought uh, that in court. Mm -hmm. And so the DeSantis administration could change that and say, and get with, you know, the other side and figure out a settlement of that if the right. legislature doesn't act. So it, it has a little bit of pressure he's putting on the legislature yeah. to act well, on this. Well, po yeah. Politico, I want to give them credit, reported that Governor DeSantis was ready to simply say to his lawyers, go into federal court and dismiss this lawsuit, the appeal rather, from the state. But apparently Representative Jose Oliva, Miami Lakes, the House Speaker, said, let us do it legislatively. And I think kind of showing a deft political hand Governor DeSantis said, okay, you've got two weeks, the first mm -hmm. two weeks of the session, or we will go in and simply drop the appeal. Well, the picture you just showed of him speaking, standing right behind him, I think is the one John driving Morgan. this train. No, it's uh, Matt Gates. Oh, Matt yeah. Gates wrote the um, original law for medical marijuana, and he's been a proponent of that, and he's one of those people that is urging the governor to do that, and especially to go back through the legislature. And the, and the real money behind it was the other man standing next yeah. to him in that kind <laughs> of royal Morgan, blue suit, yeah. the yeah. attorney, John Morgan, yeah. mm -hmm. who, if you're on Twitter, his name is hashtag pot daddy, which, <laughs> you, got, you know, we got to give the guy credit for a little humor. For the people. The governor is living up to his inaugural speech where he said the legislature does not work for him it works with him so this is yeah. evident of that pushing yeah. it back to the legislator legislature to figure out the solution do you know Melba the um, the criticism that I've heard this week in the governor comes from the black legislative caucus really the biggest criticism I've heard is not against the people that he's chosen so far for the Florida Supreme Court Barbara Lagoa and Justice mm -hmm. Robert Luck this yes. week which mm -hmm. seems like a month ago but it was just this week um, and and the concern in the criticism is that there is now no minority representation on the Florida Supreme Court, which is really valid. But but what could the governor have done about that when he received a list of potential nominees that had no people of color on that list? 
That is a problem that's systemic throughout the state of Florida. Um, we've been very active. Well, we being, I'm president of the Gwyneth Cherry Black Women Lawyers Association. We're part of a group called the Judicial Diversity Initiative, looking to make sure that there are more slates, including well-qualified attorneys of color, to go up to the governor to be able to be appointed at all levels, whether it be in circuit court, whether the Court of Appeals, or the Supreme Court. So. Again, I mean, we're very concerned about that, and we need to see diversity because that matters. That affects decision making. That affects the appearance of fairness in the in the judicial process. And of course, when people come into the courtroom, they want to see mm -hmm. diversity. They don't want to come in mm -hmm. and see, you know, all one race or all one gender because, mm -hmm. again, it affects how you view the system and whether or not you'd be treated fairly. Could yeah. could the governor have said to the judicial nominating commission, yes. "This list is what"? It's been done before, done before when um, when I was in the legislature and the Public Service Commission, um, they came out with nominees for it and there was going to be no one of color on the Public Service Commission and that challenged Gov Governor Jeb Bush and Governor Bush sent back the list and made him send him a more diverse list and when, before he did his appointments. You can do that with a judicial list. You didn't have to appoint those. You can send it back and say, you know, send me, send me better names. There was, there was, though, a timing issue because you only had four members of the Supreme Court. You had three that now had retired, and those replacements needed to be filled. So at least for the first couple, there was a time pressure mm -hmm. to at least populate the court. Yeah. yeah. But do you do it fast or do you make sure you're doing well, it Well, right? remember, these 11 people had already been vetted by the previous mm -hmm. Judicial Nominating Committee, you yeah. know, Commission on, on the Supreme Court. So they had been through that process already. Mm -hmm. You just can't right. select somebody right away and put them on right. the court without well, vetting. I, I just right? been you through know, the you process. I'm actually well that. aware. You got but, that, right? So, so, but they, the JNC okay, can move quickly when, if need be. And when we come back, I want to talk about Robert Runcie, the plan mm -hmm. by the Broward County Public Schools to make schools safer, more secure. So we'll talk about that when we come back. We are with the roundtable right now, and let's talk about Robert Runcie, Broward mm -hmm. County Public Schools. Uh, Chris Smith, as you know, Mr. Runcie came out this week, late this week, with the district's response to the right. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Public Safety Commission report. He talked about uh, hardening corners in schools, calling code red, you know, a number of things, single point of entry into the mm -hmm. schools things that they have done or that they plan to do, um, and a lot of them simply are common sense. Right. I guess the question I would ask is, why did they have to wait for the Public Safety Commission report to be finished before they did some of these things? I think they, they had started doing some of them, and they wanted the commission to give them an exhaustive list of what to do. But right after it happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, there have been things that have changed in the schools. My kid is a, goes to Parkway Middle School, and they've had numerous, every week it seems like they're having drills. Every week they're having preparations code, code and stuff. Code drills, yes, among yes. others. Yes, and so, I mean, he just came out after the commission came out with theirs and formally said, okay, these are what we're doing. But I can tell you, as a parent of a public school student, they have been doing those things since February. And, well, doing those things since February is a reaction to what happened right. in February and a reaction to the commission report. I will say, as a parent, where have people been in the school district for years and years doing these kind of safety things? I mean, this is a mass shooting that happened right. in our neighborhood is certainly not the first of that kind of catastrophe happening in a school. I, you know, that would, be, that would be my question is, why not years ago? 
Yeah, and that and that really is the criticism, not just uh, on the superintendent because the school board. Yeah, I, and, and this wasn't that. mean to be right. on no, 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 no. whatsoever. This yeah. is not this is not a runcy issue by itself. This is a school district issue, and you know, it, keeping kids safe is the, should be the first priority. Sadly, it's the first priority as opposed to educating them. Um, and 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 the two should go together. But you know, let's be honest. Parents don't want to lose their child at school. And Columbine occurred what 10, 12 plus years ago, right? I mean, now or ninety seven, ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 90s, right? about years and years. Yeah. And so yeah. there needs to be a, a, a shift in thinking about what what kinds of protections. So single entry right. is one of those things. Creating hard corners, being able to communicate to the entire school. Yeah so that everybody understands what drill we're talking about. Is it a fire drill? Is it a fire? Is it an active shooter or not? You know, those are things because it acts differently. The conversation between the school, local neighborhood school, whether it's, you know, a traditional public school, private school, a charter school, needs to, there needs to be coordination with local law enforcement. Yeah. You know, those one, things are just now happening. One of the, um, one of the industries, for lack of a better word, that have been aware of that are, are the industry of Jewish day schools. And this mm -hmm. one of the things that the governor did this week was ask for, say he was going to ask for at least $2 million a year in recurring funds every year to secure Jewish day schools. Weigh in on that for me. Yeah, I have a problem with that, and not because, of course, Jewish schools don't need protection, mm -hmm. but it's unconstitutional in the way he's going about it. Also. You can't single out one religion and give them a benefit to the detriment of others. There's been an uptick in hate crimes and bullying among uh, you know, Muslim students, immigrant students. So there's so many other pockets of students that need protection as well. So why don't we look at the system as a whole, see where we can secure, bring in more counselors, do other things to make our schools safe, rather than singling out one religion and giving them the state benefit as opposed to other folks who need it just as equally. And But we do well. have to be honest with ourselves when there's a crime in a school that has to be it has to be reported mm -hmm. and we have to be conscious of the fact that you know somebody who commits an act whether it's a juvenile or not there needs to be some a, a consequence to that second and third and fourth chances you know are one thing but there are rights of others not just the student who committed those acts deserves a second chance. We focus on that, but what about the rights of those other students and the other staff members inside of a school? You, that's why you need to have, yeah. but that's why you need to have a holistic approach, right? right? You can't just throw more police officers in a situation and no. think that you're going to help. You also need what to do, do threat assessment and mental health and and, and, and make sure there's things. resources to be able to help those students, as opposed to okay, we're mm. just going to put them in prison and send them on the school to prison pipeline. No, that is not effective because mm. that's creating problems down the road. We have to make sure that our counselors are equipped with the proper resources to help the students, to be able to work with any trauma that has resulted so that the other students who may be traumatized don't mm -hmm. then also end up reacting. And let's, let's look back at Stoneman Douglas now. I mean, there are some system-wide things that, that went wrong, but there was a lot of human error that went wrong mm -hmm. on that day. Heck yeah. I mean, there were yeah. things in place. There were... A uh, uh, of human errors. Yeah, yeah. so, there, so, so it wasn't just oh, this system was bad or this system was bad, this system was bad. There was a lot of human error yeah. that happened. And so, I mean, we're fixing those and we're, we're putting systems in place, I think in Broward and with the sheriff's office and every place, but let's not neglect that. There were systems in place. It was just a whole lot of human Which error. brings up accountability. But accountability yeah. is the big issue. And so when you hear Parkland parents speak, 
Right. Okay, as tragic, you know, it's such a tragedy that they're talking from, but the bottom line of it is, is that they deserve some level of accountability. And, the, and human error, uh, those who made errors on that, yeah. There well, needs to but, be accountability but, around but that. Don't just, just chop heads but just with to make people feel better. Now, remember, these a... are public employees. They all have due process mm -hmm. rights. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see it every day when there's a shooting or something, and we say, oh, the cops needs to be fired or something, and they go on that lead. I mean, there's due process, and so yeah. those people that you made know, those mistakes in the school bottom, board, I mean, they have due process rights. The, you can't the, fire the, them the next the, day. The exactly. one big headline we're sort of going by, and before we run out of time, I want right. to mention it, is Robert Runcie, I thought, showed confidence and a, a real dedication to stay on the job. And it looks to me like even though some people have called for him to be fired, that he's gonna stay there. I think that's my feeling right now. What do you think? Well, look, he, academically speaking, he's taken Broward schools from a certain place to a higher place. I yeah. think you can't deny the record educationally. Yeah. I do think there was tremendous failings inside of the Broward uh, School District, right. including some leadership issues around uh, uh, Su uh, Superintendent Runcie. However, the question really now is, what are you doing and are you doing yeah. enough quickly enough? Yeah. And that right. goes back to your question. That, Why is that, it taking now? On that, a good point mm -hmm. in which to stop right here. It's a one-hour <laughs> show. One day will be a two-hour show. Oh my God. All right. Thank, thank you all very much. Great mm -hmm. roundtable.